spiritual gifts, and you. Today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howe. Spiritual gifts. Now, they seem to be a buzz in just about any church you go to. Do they exist? Do they don't exist? Are they for today or just the apostolic church? And then if they are for today, who are they for? The ones who receive the gift or the ones who are around those who've received the gift? And why do we have gifts? And the questions just continue. Well, hopefully over the course of our next couple of broadcasts here on Truth For Today, our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, will take us back to God's Word. Between 1 Corinthians and Romans chapter 12, we've got a pretty comprehensive idea of what God wants to do with these spiritual gifts. So join us today as we learn and understand the spiritual gifts that God has for us and why they're there. With this edition of Truth For Today, here's Pastor Phil Howard. Back to Romans 12, and let me pick up verse 3, and I'm going to read 1 Corinthians uh, 12 because they amplify each other. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. No matter what gift you have, if you're arrogant, we won't hear much from you because God has a way of shelving you. He hates pride, and he will shelve the proud, no matter what your gift is. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. And it's really in analogy, it's a word in analogy to the faith. The prophet always had to say something in keeping with the rest of Revelation. It could never contradict Isaiah, Deuteronomy. You could never say anything that contradicted what had already been revealed. And they judged the prophets in the church uh, to just see if they did that. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And then if you just turn to 1 Corinthians 12, um, let me just read from 12 to 20. Uh, the whole chapter deals with this matter of gifts. But notice, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ears should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, 
it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If there were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Let me just review a little bit what we looked at in our last time together on the subject. Every believer is given a spiritual gift at the moment they're saved. First Peter says they fall in the category of a speaking gift or a serving gift. He made those two categories. Uh, the scriptures also said there were sign gifts. First Corinthians 14, tongues was definitely a sign gift. He said in Hebrews 2 that to the first generation, there were gifts that were signs had specific miraculous powers that happened throughout the beginning of the church. And so gifts fall into three categories, uh, speaking gifts, uh, serving, all gifts serve, but in that category that wasn't dependent on the mouth, uh, helps, uh, mercy, things like that. And then these sign gifts. And so he's saying, does not give a full list here, He's going to deal with something that is much uh, greater than gifts if you get it. Uh, I've taught on spiritual gifts where everybody in the church was going around trying to guess what their gift was. And some of them find that by the time they guessed it, they still weren't doing anything. They just had the right name for doing nothing. Oh, I figured out my gift. It doesn't matter if you ever, you know, if my lungs never find out they're called lungs, it won't keep them from working. It's more important that you're functioning than it is you know the title. You may mislabel your gift. Uh, I've, I've renamed people that I thought had, there's some people I thought had gift of mercy and the longer I've known them, they're not announced at mercy hardly. I've had to rename them uh, wart in the body or something like that. You, you know, uh, myself, I've been called so many things uh, and I've, I've claimed so many gifts, you can't even believe it. I've cast in some, kept some, Uh, It doesn't matter. However God really made me, that's what I am. The main thing is being exercised, being exercised. And so uh, I want to speak to you in the realm of gifts. That's why I made you the note so you could study it further. But I really want to look at three things uh, in this section. That We are God's mercy project in the first 11 chapter of Romans that you were an object of divine wrath. You got hell coming. We all had it coming. We're rascals. We we sin a plenty. And he paints this graphic picture in the first chapter of Romans of how bad we are, how bad the world is towards God. And in the midst of this chaos, God walks into the garbage heap of humanity And he begins to salvage us, salvage us. And one of the terms that just rings in Romans is he starts this mercy project where he takes things that were headed for destruction. He picks it up out of the garbage heap. He wipes it off, cleans it. And then he says, I'm going to make you a vessel of mercy. I'm going to channel my mercy through you 
to the rest of humanity. And so what we really find out in Romans 12 is what is the future and what is the function of vessels of mercy that every believer comes to be. God's rescued us by his mercy, rescued us by his grace. What does he want us to do now that we're vessels of mercy? Well, he wants you to offer yourself daily to God. Here's my body, Lord. Here's this life that was on the trash heap of humanity that you rescued. You get me, Lord. You get what you saved. It may not be much, but you get me. Here I am. You saved me, all of me. So I offer myself to you. Okay? Two, uh, he says, you ought to be being transformed because I've renewed something in your mind. Your mind was an empty bottle of chaos in Romans 1. It, you were moronic. Uh, you were empty-headed. You didn't have any place for God. Now that I've saved you, I've renewed your mind so that you can now begin to thank God's thoughts. You can begin to understand God's word and he starts renewing you and you start experiencing that God's will is good, perfect, and acceptable. Then he says, this renewed mind will never make you big-headed. So cut it out. Stop being arrogant. Don't, don't have that attitude. And now he's going to say three things I want us to focus on. When you, as a vessel of mercy, begin to function, you realize what's happened. One, I have a place I belong. I'm now in a place I belong. Two, I'm in a place where God has designed me to serve there's something for me to contribute in this new family where I belong. And thirdly, uh, there's a definite enablement to carry out these functions. Let me state that. A place to belong in Christ, he says that. A place to function. Each member belongs to the other. Thirdly, a place to serve Jesus Christ. Very simple. Uh, when you come to be saved, you know one of the most remarkable things you find is verse 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ. Right there. I and you who are outside of Christ, who had no claims to anything God had except his wrath, he makes this remarkable statement that Jews over 100 times in the New Testament. It, as simple as you could say, what is it to be saved? It's being in Christ. You're in Christ. Wait, wait, wait. I'm in who? I'm in Christ. How did that happen? Well, the moment you believed the Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians, he immersed you into Christ. Galatians says that in Christ now, gender before God makes no difference. Male nor female, does it, that's not your status before God. Uh, the females still have the babies, but before God, that doesn't matter. 
And, and it doesn't matter whether you're a poor boy or a rich boy, Galatians says. And it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, because you now have a new identity before God, because he says in the verse in Galatians, you've been clothed as an outer garment with Christ so that your new status before God is he sees you as he sees his son. You are acceptable to God as much as his son. Here, here maybe you had no status. Maybe you were a slave in the Roman Empire. Maybe you were a woman, which would have been a horrendous assignment. The Romans were a little bit better to women, but let me tell you, in the ancient world, women didn't do too good. And they still don't do very good if you go, if you don't like the Christian view of women, I always tell you, go east from Jerusalem and live there. Go where Christianity is not in place. Go east of Jerusalem. Go to Jordan. Go to Iraq. Go to Saudi Arabia. Go over there and see how they treat women without a Christian view of women. Women only got liberated through the gospel. It wasn't uh, some liberation movement that came out of New York. Christ liberated women. Not the feminist movement, not the now organization. They let them fight for their liberties and their rights, and there's a certain amount of that. I think a woman, if she does the work of a man, ought to be paid the same pay. That's fair, right? I mean, that, 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 that's equity. That's just fairness. And, and with certain things we need to advocate for to treat them fairly. But to say all of a sudden, I'm in Christ. Let's, let's play out the gender thing. I'm a woman. I'm a slave. I'm a household slave. I was captured in a war they had down in Africa. No matter what country they went to, Rome brought the slaves back home. They tried not to kill them because they needed bakers. They needed uh, housekeepers. They needed people to raise their kids. So they employed all these slaves. They had over 100 million slaves in the Roman Empire at the time the New Testament's written. 100 million. They would get profs that would teach their kids. It was just a household commodity. But let's say you were a slave. Let's say you were a galley slave that rode ships and you happen to be in port and you go to the church at Rome for a Sunday service and you hear, by the way, you're in Christ now. And God doesn't see whether you're Nero, an emperor, or whether you're a slave, a garbage man, or a flunky. In Christ, you have found a home. In Christ, you have a new identity and a new status. You're a vessel of mercy, and God's elevated you that what you are now is any man, if he be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. You found home in God's beloved Son. I'm at home. One of the great things I love about being in Christ, all the judgment of God against me was poured out on Christ because he was my sin bearer, right? Every dirty thought, every dirty deed, everything I've ever done, just being normal, natural, hell-deserving, good sinner boy from Richmond, everything I did has been poured onto Christ. He's paid for it. You know, it's like uh, one of the great problems uh, they had in the early days on the prairies. Careless people grew up in Nebraska uh, in sod huts. You got pictures of them in sod huts. 
dug in, in the ground. It gets cold in Nebraska, real cold, below zero. No, no cold running water, no uh, showers, no uh, to set the temperature, rugged, terrible country. I'll tell you something that was terrible were the summers where it would turn to 110, 115 degrees. And they had what they call prairie fires. Now think of this. How do you fight a prairie fire when you don't have a fire department, when you don't have water out there? How do you fight a prairie fire? Well, they develop backfire. Backfire. And so what they would simply do, here's the homestead, let's say, and the fire's moving this way, so they would get out in front of it, start another fire, especially if the winds were favorable, and have it burn back into the fire. The only weapon they have was backfiring. We'll burn off. We'll burn off the place around the house, hope it burns into this fire sweeping across the prairie, sometimes covering miles. And in the backfire, once a place was burned off, you can step in the middle of that burn off field and say, the fire can't reach me. Well, in Christ, the fire's already passed over him. He's the only place you can be now and be safe from the wrath of God. We're in Christ. We're in Christ. It's, it's marvelous. So he says you're in Christ. And then he goes on to say, and in Christ... Christ have a, has a family assignment for you. There's a way he wants you uh, to function in the body of Christ. And, and he says it so plainly there. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't all function the same, eye, ear, hands. So in Christ, the many, we form one body. He never says church, but that, that's just term for the church, the body. And each member belongs to all the others. Y'all look around this building and say, do I think that? Look, look around, look around you. You belong to all the other people around you. They have claims on you. Say, hey, don't mess with me. I just came in, endure the sermon. I'm going home, don't bother me. Well, you must not really be in. You're just spectating. We couldn't build squat with you. You got to be in the family. And, and you belong. And this language is very similar to what he says in marriage. 1 Corinthians 7. And that's even hard on some of you. It says to the man, your body is not your own. It belongs to your wife. Even when I want to watch a game. Yeah. And her body is not her own. It belongs to the husband. And that's hard. You got to be kidding. My body is my body. Don't you be making any claims. No, but that's what he says. In marriage, two bodies serve each other. You got both of us. We're both in this together. Now, what he says in the body of Christ, that you've come into a sacred community where we belong to each other, and it's a sacred reciprocation of ministry to one another. Did you know you'll never grow and make any life changes by just hearing sermons? Some of you don't need another note. Take notes every week and you still got all these flaws because you know what? 
you're afraid to be a part of the body. What you need to do is get in a small group Bible study or small, you ought to get close enough to people and give them a hunting license to go after stuff in your life. Let them ask you about your prayer life. Let them ask you, did you look at pornography this week? Uh, by the way, are you a giver? Do you give to the church? So I don't want anyone messing with me. Well, that's why you're not changing. That's why you've been saved 20 years and grown an inch. You're so old in God, we have to part your whiskers to give you a bottle. I've been saved 20 years. Have you grown up? No, nope. don't want to grow. You can't grow without community. There's a book you might want to read sometime. It's a hard read. James Hunter wrote it. He's a sociologist at the Virginia University. And uh, it, it was a response to, uh, in the 60s and 70s, we threw out sexual mores, that after that time, there's no boundaries, uh, nothing to, uh, there's no absolutes about sex. And so the 60s burned the bra, burned the standards. And so sexually, we became free. We can do whatever, whatever. Well, what happened to that abandonment, we found out in the 90s, in the Enron case, that what had happened to sex in the 70s had happened in the business world in the 90s. That is, there were no absolutes, there were no ethics, do whatever you want. The only thing is make a profit, and if the company loses all the retirement benefits for a thousand people, too bad, I made mine. And all of a sudden, educators says, we've got to get ethics and standards back into the schools. And so they started this big deal of curriculum to add it in schools, uh, uh, William Bennett, James Dobson, and other uh, like curriculums were put into schools. And James Hunter goes back to examine if the curriculum taught made any difference. The, the name of the book is The Death of Character. It's depressing because it's realistic. It tells what happened. And he said they studied and found there was no, no difference in the product of the student that came out. The curriculum did not shape them into people of justice, equity, ethics, uh, fairness. It had no effect. Now, what had been used as the great model was Martin Luther King. They used him for 20 years as the model of justice, uh, moral courage, uh, take on the establishment, question what's happening. And they always threw him up as the model, the model. What James Hunter and others found out is King was not the product of a school curriculum, but of a tight-knit family, church, social network that grew up on Exodus theology and that were headed for the promised land. We're going to quit being slaves someday. Uh, he grew up with that in a pastor's home and he grew up with aunties and uncles and a strong African-American community that would slap his hand if he was out of line three blocks from home. He was the product of a tight-knit community, not of a school curriculum. What they found out is it takes community, community, interaction with people to really change and form your character. 
Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard is the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Thank you for spending time with us today. It's our hope and prayer that our time together has encouraged you in your understanding of God's Word, His love and designs and desires for you. As we close out our broadcast, we would remind you that copies of the broadcast are available on CD for just $5. Mention today's date as you contact us at 510-799-3171, 510-799-3171. You're also welcome to visit our website, valleybible.org. We also have our secure online store there as well. You can take advantage of other resource materials that we have for your future growth in Christ. Again, it's all at valleybible.org. And again, there is a secure store online. You can make use of your Visa or MasterCard right there. As always, you're welcome to join us for worship Sunday services. Here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We're just off Highway 4. It's that church with the three crosses on the hill about a quarter of a mile from the Highway 4 I-80 junction. Directions can be found at our website, valleybible.org, or again, simply call 510-799-3171. And would you do us a favor? We'd really love to hear from you at this time. To help us understand how the Lord is leading and directing us in this ministry, we need to hear from you to know how the Lord is using this ministry for your walk and growth in Christ. So would you take a moment and jot us a quick note, whether it's an email off of our website, valleybible.org, or writing to us, Truth For Today, Box 5158, Hercules, California, the zip code is 94547, or simply call 510-799-3171. As we want to be wise stewards of what God has entrusted to us, we count these letters and phone calls of real importance to us as we continually evaluate the ministry here of Truth For Today. Thank you for joining us today. We trust we'll hear from you soon and look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name of the Lord.